So Money Episode 1072, Sarah Farzam, founder of Bilingual Birdies. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I am optimistic that the entrepreneurs will get us out of of the economic stress because in the end, those are the people who create employment. I am optimistic about there being opportunities for new types of solutions to things. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. You're hearing from our guest, Sarah Farzam, and she's the founder of a thriving business called Bilingual Birdies that she launched over 12 years ago. She launched it while working part-time in a restaurant and spending the rest of her hours handing out flyers to parents in the park. Bilingual Birdies is dedicated to teaching foreign languages and cross-cultural awareness to young children through live song and dance. You can check it out at bilingualbirdies.com. It is a business that has learned to pivot well in this recession. Sarah shares how she and her team are transitioning the business to meet the needs of their market, supporting both clients and their staff. And fun fact, Sarah and I have known each other for almost 12 years. We met because she reached out to me after seeing my name in print, a byline in a newspaper clipping, and she recognized that name to be Iranian she would know Sarah is half Iranian, half Mexican. And from there, a friendship began. And I've always been so impressed with her dedication to growing bilingual birdies. Our kids have participated. It is absolutely unique and special. And in our conversation, we talk for the first time despite knowing each other for all these years, about how her money story evolved, how she learned about it growing up, the startup strategies of launching a business pre-Instagram and social media as we know it today. Bilingual Birdies has been around before the gram, before TikTok, and her views on the economy, where it's headed, and the optimism that she feels moving forward. Here is Sarah Farzam. Sarah Farzam, welcome to So Money. Hi, how are you? So happy to be here. Finally. Why did I think you were already a guest on the show? That's probably because I've interviewed you in a mon- many different formats over the years, just not on the podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so it's full circle now. We're getting all angles here. Books, podcasts, the whole thing. <laughs> I really think the universe intended for us to meet because you think about it, the way that we first met, you sort of like fell upon one of my articles that you'd seen in a store that had been framed. I used to write a business column for a newspaper in New York. And this particular business owner that I had profiled had taken the clipping and put it in her store. And you saw the clipping and read my name and you thought, oh, this girl must be Iranian. I'm Iranian. So you reached out to me. And from there, we began this friendship, but also for me, this intrigue. You were starting this business called Bilingual Birdies, which I'm proud to know you from all those years ago and to see where you've come uh, now is just remarkable. And we want to dive into that, especially given the world and how your business is plugging into the, the new normal. But we've since met serendipitously many times since that first encounter where even just like a year ago, I ran into you in Brooklyn. Like what 
are the chances. The stars align for us. You see, I really believe all the people who need to meet each other in this life somehow find a way to find each other. It, it is so true. Let's start with bilingual birdies, and then maybe we can go back in time. Um, and there's just so many different ways we could take this interview. But I think it's most relevant to discuss Bilingual Birdies, which is this beautiful company you started from the ground up, which uh, teaches foreign language multiculturalism to children through music and movement and dance and puppetry and all of these amazing action-based games and exercises. Initially, this was a company that was very much in person. You had to go to a class with your child. How is it doing now in the era of COVID? Yeah. So uh, the magic of in-person obviously is something we're all trying to replicate online. So uh, when COVID first hit, we scrambled as fast as we could with my, with my team to develop a wonderful, beautiful experience that transferred online. And we were able to accomplish that, which I'm really happy about. And, you know, I would, I would log on sometimes to the classes and see so many children, just, you know, like 50 kids sometimes would come to a class and it would be like, so much joy. You know, you see them laughing and dancing and singing along and identifying words in Spanish or French or Mandarin or whatnot. And just so happy, right? And amidst all the stress of what was going on in Mars and we're trying to figure everything out, going and seeing the online classes was really, you know, giving me life, right? So I got very hopeful and excited. And then, um, Another way in which it's changed since COVID is that with so many people out of work, many of which are bilingual people, uh, and so many children at home and parents trying to figure out ways to engage them educationally, um, our licensing uh, opportunities started to pick up and people started contacting us like, oh, what is this thing? I could start my own bilingual birdies from home and share my language and culture and teach kids online through Zoom. That's super cool. I want to know how to get started with that. So you know, I always, I believe so much in entrepreneurship and I just think that in, in, in the U S so much employment is as a result of entrepreneurship, right? So it's always an amazing thing when you can give a job to someone, but even more amazing in my eyes is to give an opportunity of entrepreneurship to someone. So that's how it's changed. And really what we're hearing is a lesson in business mastery. So let's just highlight what the shift was where you, and this was, this happened before the pandemic, but I, when we met in Brooklyn a year ago, you were talking about transitioning your company to this licensing platform. Whereas maybe in the past you were employing, I don't know, a few teachers per city and there were like a dozen cities, you know, there was a limit that that was the model. And now so many more people can plug in to this work system, which is wonderful. To your point, there's so many unemployed people right now, people who do speak more than like one language. And this is something that they can do from home. Wasn't it kind of magical that you came up with this, not knowing where the world was headed? Right. I do think sometimes you arrive in a situation and you're like, oh, so this is you know, all these things in the past brought me to this moment. Now it's starting to kind of make sense. Right. And, um, yeah, even for people who are, what's really interesting is even some people who are not bilingual have contacted us to start their own bilingual birdies business because they understand they can hire bilingual people to do the classes for them. Right. And so they can set up their own team, which again is really fascinating. And, you know, being online and, and essentially turning my brick and mortar business into a tech company has allowed us to expand in so many cities across the U S Canada and Australia. 
which, which I mean, before, how would that have ever been possible? Right. Right. Tell us a little bit more about the licensing process for someone listening. Who's like, Oh, this is interesting. Who does it work best for you? You used to talk about this sort of like as the Zumba model. I know about Zumba because <laughs> I know about Zumba. It's super I, fun, right? <laughs> I never did Zumba, but I'm, I feel like, like there was a subculture of Zumba. Yeah. There is. And I feel like I sort of dance like that in my room by myself anyway to that kind of music. So I, I'm a big fan. But yes, I studied the Zumba business model a lot amongst other business models. And um, I came to the conclusion that uh, I want to offer a quick, easy way for people to get trained and certified online so they can launch their own bilingual birdies business. So the process works like this. If you are someone who is passionate about children and early education, and if you are bilingual or you have access to finding bilingual people who can work for you and you are entrepreneurial, you can apply online to uh, get certified to have your own bilingual birdies license in your neck of the woods. And then essentially, we set you up with all the infrastructure that you need to run your business. So you get a website, you get the teacher training, you get a business boot camp, you get um, all the marketing materials that you need to sort of promote your classes and set up, you know, like caregiver and child classes, like mommy and me classes online or later in person, how to connect with preschools and daycares to make partnerships with them to offer the service to their to their children. And then you go into a peer to peer network of other bilingual birdies licensees who are serving their communities across across the globe and everyone's sort of supporting one another. And then we send new themed curriculum every month so that your classes are fresh and fun and it's a good time. But yeah, we mail you a classroom kit of instruments, all the maracas, drums, puppets, everything you need. And then in these videos online, you learn the methodology of how to teach Spanish, French or English or Mandarin to children all through music, movement, dance, puppetry. It's a very interactive, physical, joyful experience, right? And it uh, used to be $1,000 up front, um, but we have eliminated that fee due to COVID. So now it's just $75 a month. Wow. So for 75 bucks a month, you can have your own business called Bilingual Birdies with Susie or whatever your name what? is and start to earn money from home, right? And, and what kind of money? What what kind of money are we talking about? How much can you really make? So we believe that within the first year, there's always going to be a little bit of a ramp up the first few months. You may not be making, you know, the exact money that you set out to make month one or two, right? There's always going to be a ramp up period. So we believe that within the first six months, you can definitely make about a thousand dollars a month. Again, depending on how hard you're willing to hustle, right? And this is really only off of a few hours a week of time that you've spent promoting and teaching uh, your classes online. And then within the first year, we believe that uh, you can make from 2500 a month up after 12 months. And so this really has so much to do with the time that you're willing to dedicate to it and how hard you're willing to hustle, like I said. But it's also important to keep in mind that you'll be making this type of money from the comfort of your own home, sharing your language and culture and teaching children online. And it's not like you're going to be working eight hours a day, right? You'll have maybe a class on Mondays at 10 and then another class on Tuesdays at four and then maybe something on Fridays, right? So the majority of your time will be spent promoting those classes, but the actual investment of time spent teaching is only going to be a couple of hours a week. It can be a lot higher right now. There's so many families that need children, children's activities, right? So it depends on your ability to sort of go into these Facebook groups and start to make alliances with different um, child activity places and, and parents really, right? So if you have a network of a lot of other moms or dads that, that are looking for things to do, that's of course a, a big help. Like when I started 
you know, I didn't, I, no kids, no, no access to early childhood education world in New York city. You know, I had to just sort of pound the pavement. It was like before Instagram, Facebook had just got started. So I used to pass out flyers in the park and chat moms like in playgrounds. And that's how I got my first few clients. I think living on your brother's couch for a little bit. Yes. I mean, I was a high school teacher (laughs) slash waitress in the beginning and I saved up all my tip money. And that was how I launched bilingual birdies. Um, but yeah, when I first moved to New York, I was just like on my, you know, my brother's couch trying to figure things out, like make ends meet, you know, and, um, you know, when you are, when you, when you don't have, um, experience in running a business, right. You, you do whatever you can to try and figure out how to make it work. Ask to find mentors from here and there, like read books, study things as much as you can to figure out the art form of being a good businesswoman. I do believe that's, that's an art form, right? It is. There's so many phases. Tell us about phase one. You kind of painted the picture, like passing out flyers, learning on the go, gathering your pennies. What was it in the beginning that you felt gave, gave you early momentum? And, and also how did you come up with the idea in the first place? Yeah. So I'll tell you how I came up with the idea. I'm half Mexican and half Iranian. And I grew up in a very obviously multicultural home. Um, and I really always had a love for music and, you know, education and alternative forms of learning. I I used to be a high school teacher and I have twin nieces and I have a nephew too. But at the time, my twin nieces were only two years old and I would kind of hang out with them at the park on my day off and um, chat with moms and, and people who were sitting next to me on the park bench, right? Like nannies. And I realized that this was pre-recession, right? So everybody had a lot of money back then and they were taking their kids to classes. And I had met this one mom that I'll never forget. She had a two-year-old and her two-year-old was enrolled in a different class every single day of the week. And I'm like, whoa, I got to check this thing out, you know? And it was just a time in New York where the, the, like the baby boomers kids were having kids. So there was like another baby boom and there was just strollers everywhere, like literally stroller traffic everywhere you went. So I started chatting with these moms and I think... Phase one, you know, I didn't even really know what an Excel spreadsheet was. I didn't have like hard skills, right? But what I did have was a very not shy personality, right? So I I was not shy to talk to people on that. I think, you know, when you first have a baby, it can oftentimes be a lonely time, right? You're trying to figure things out and find your flow. And so I would chat with all these new moms who were really happy to, you know, have a conversation with me on the park bench. And I, that was sort of the beginnings of my market research, right? And surveying and asking questions. And I met a lot of moms and they told me what it was that they were looking for. They would go to these classes and some of them were only okay. And eventually I went to one of these classes with my nieces and I realized, okay, this is fun. It's like, you know, someone here playing the guitar, singing songs, but it's all in English. So if I add language to that, then it becomes educational entertainment, right? And not just like happy fun times in English. Like you can walk away from this experience, really taking something that can profoundly impact the future. And, um, you know, help you to be a more open-minded adult when you grow up, right? Which who doesn't need that these days, right? So I think as I started to learn more and launch, I realized the value of celebrating diversity, which was something that was very much a part of my upbringing from my mom being from Mexico and my dad being from Iran and, and growing up with such a cultural heritage and you know, starting this business and growing it has also really empowered me, right? To to feel proud of who I am and where I come from. And that's something that I want to give for other children. 
You brought up the importance of mentorship. And in our meeting last year, you mentioned that you had been connected to this amazing mentor, almost like luckily by chance, she normally charges a lot of money to give people advice. And she just kind of took you under her wing. And I think that's a story worth sharing because, wow, these people are out there. And I think we often think that we have to spend so much money to start a business or grow a business, but sometimes it's just literally putting yourself out there and asking for help. 100%. I moved to San Francisco after New York to launch Bilingual Birdies uh, in the Bay Area. And I knew, you know, I had taken a lot of entrepreneurship classes and, you know, free courses from the city of New York. And I knew that I wanted to find a business coach because I had some ideas of what I wanted to do and I needed a person to really guide me into getting that. I was like, I've taken all the classes. I need a human that's going to help me, you know? And so I started researching how I might be able to find a business coach. And a lot of the entrepreneurship networks that I was a part of had recommended me to different places. And as I started calling them up, I knew I wanted to find someone who was, um, a female and, and based locally where I was, right. Which is actually a hard thing to do because most of them are men. And, um, I started calling and everyone started saying the same thing. Like you need to have $20 million in sales for us to take you on. And I was like, $20 million. Like if I had $20 million in sales, I wouldn't need a business coach, you know? And so I, I w- just kept getting no's and I was very confused, you know, cause I didn't want someone that was just for, if you're just starting out your business, you know, because I already know how to start and launch and, and grow. I wanted to get to the next level, right? Like really identify what my growth opportunity uh, was and, and execute. So I finally called this one place and they were like, well, we do have this one woman that's based here in San Francisco and she, um, she's really different than, than everyone else. So uh, let's see, let's try. So I just cold email, you know, like this is who I am. Hi, this is my situation. You know, I'm not there yet in $20 million in sales, but I will be at some point, you know, like I have a lot of promise. So let's see. And, and her name is Kirsty Chercoyan. And she has built lots of tech companies and she has her own tech company and she works uh, in HR solutions. And so Kirsty was like, yeah, let's meet. I, the way I do it is I, let's meet. If we have a good connection, then, then we'll continue. If not, you know, then that'll be that. And she was like, next week I'm going to Kenya because I work there uh, helping female entrepreneurs who are street side mango stand owners, how to, you know, develop their business with the same strategy that I use with, wow. with my entrepreneurs here. Yeah. So I was like, Oh my God, this woman's awesome. You're like, so I'm going like, to Costco exactly. this weekend. That's <laughs> yeah. how I spend my Saturdays. Exactly. And so she was like, let's meet next week when I'm back. And I was like, let's do it. So we meet up and I explained to her my whole story and what I want to do. And it was just, I have to tell you, it was just magic meeting her. She's um, of Armenian descent. Um, so she kind of looked like me, but she was like very like new school and very, you know, cool. Like I loved her outfit and she just had such a lovely energy, right? Like right away, you just feel like at home with someone, you know, and comfortable like family. So I explained my story and she was like, okay, what I think we should do is take a full day, go off site, identify what all the opportunities are, work through them and then make make a plan. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like really expensive. Like how much do you charge for that? <laughs> I and have no was, money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like a full day. I'm like, maybe we could do half a day. Um, and she was like, don't worry about it. And I'm like, what do you mean? No, no, no. Like I got to offer you something, you know? And she was like, listen, frankly, you can't afford me, but I'm going to do this for you because I know you're going to go on to do it for another female entrepreneur at some point. 
And I was just like, wait, what? No, I have to, you know, and like Iranians are so you, you gotta like, you can't like just take it for free. You gotta do this thing. Like, no, 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 please, please, please. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. You're like, no, no, no. You know, that goes on for a long time. But I was just like, no, I can't, you know, how can I take this knowledge that you have for free? You know, it's so valuable. And she just looked me dead in the eye and she said, no, I'm going to do this for you because I believe in you and you believe in you. And that makes all the difference. And I was just like convinced that she was an angel that, you know, fell from the sky to be in front of me and help me (laughs) to get to where I want to be. And so I said, okay. And we started working together. I started learning more about her work in Kenya. Eventually I raised some money to, uh, I did a Kickstarter to take my team of teachers to work in the informal preschool, uh, to serve all the children of the female entrepreneurs that she trains. And so we did like a cultural exchange where those preschool teachers showed us what they do with kids and we showed them what we do with kids. And it's just been this really, you know, I, I, I say Kirstie is my, my sister, mother, friend, you know, she, Mm. she, we were very much meant to be, and she's helped me to grow my company and, and really, uh, execute this whole licensing opportunity that we're giving to people. I'm very, very grateful that, uh, the universe crossed our paths. Yep. And it reminds me of my favorite saying, which is that when women make more, the world becomes a better place. Oh yes, You know, this, I mean, this is the case study for that. Yeah. (laughs) And I think even in that, even in that anecdote where she said, look, don't worry about paying me, she still knew her value. It's like, I know what I'm worth, but I'm doing this for you as a gift, you know, because I want this gift to keep on giving. And I think that's, that is true wealth to be able to stand in your value and do something for someone else at no cost, but only with the hope and expectation that it's going to be passed forward and make someone else's life better. Absolutely. And I think that's how we're going to get out of this whole moment that we're living too. You know, it's, it's, it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to share your knowledge with someone and, when they're in a moment that, you know, they're sort of at that tipping point to figure out how they're going to go forward into the world and they will do this again for someone else. It's, it's amazing. So what I'm learning about bilingual birdies is that it's growing fast. You are not only impacting more kids now because you can be virtual and in all places, but you're also employing many more people. So you've grown the economy uh, where bilingual birdies exists. What's next? So next is we are starting to look into alternative ways of educating children online, because I do think that in the future, at some point we'll go back to in-person, but the online thing, of course, is here to stay, right? So there's a very unique opportunity for business owners who can to develop uh, a virtual experience of some sort, and then to have two businesses later when we, when we go back, right? Um, to whatever the new normal is going to be, um, and I've started exploring a lot of things in augmented reality and early childhood education and starting to figure out how to develop more and more content. And I think that is really exciting because not a lot of people are doing it in the way that we are researching and developing. So, um, yeah, the future for us is going to be about inspiring content that educates young children to celebrate diversity, learn about languages and cultures and really ensure that they grow up to be, you know, tolerant, open-minded human beings. Citizens of the world. You know, I didn't ask Absolutely. you this, I didn't ask you this question, but how did you learn about money growing up? I think I 
have gotten bits of this story over the years, because obviously we can't get together and not talk about our Iranian heritage and money and entrepreneurship and what our dads taught us and what our moms taught us. But what's one memory growing up as a kid that was a specific memory around money? Money was like the ultimate stressful, like next door neighbor that you just like, you're like, Hey, hi. Yeah. Okay. I can't deal with you. Like, why are you causing me so much stress? You know, it was always a confusion. It was, it was stressful and confusing. Like, you know, it's just like, Oh, well we don't have enough money. Well, why don't you just like get more of it? Like, what's the problem? You know, (laughs) like I didn't really understand, um, the, the, the functionality of it. Right. When you're a kid, you just, you know, you see, dollars coming out of an ATM machine and you're like, okay, well we could just go back to that machine and get more of it. No, you know, and I, and I was very confused. Um, and what I did learn though about money from my family was the, the value of negotiating. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of grew up, you know, watching my dad. I mean, he's Iranian, right? This, this is our legacy. It's in our culture. You know, historically, our people are have, come from merchants and, you know, trading and things like that. And so I would grow up watching my dad sort of negotiate at like Rite Aid, you know, like, was that the best, you know, I'll give you this much for it. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not a bazaar. Like, this is not the way you do it, you know? But I always started to see that, um, you know, it's the the art form of negotiating and sort of like that whole, you know, uh, act, you know, like how interesting it is. And I was very much intrigued by it as I started to grow up a little bit and, and just see the natural ways of, of, of my father. Right. And, um, so much of that later was, you know, refined in me when I took a 10,000 small businesses program from Goldman Sachs. And I had another amazing mentor by the name of Maury Taharipur, who, taught me negotiations and really how to show your vulnerability with it. And to, you know, sort of in our culture, Iranian people roll out the red carpet for you, right. When they come to, to have uh, visitors. Right. And so that's really kind of how I've learned to do negotiating and, and deal with money today is to kind of access that, that, you know, cultural heritage of mine to roll out the red carpet for someone, you know, when we're going to talk about money and figure out like how we're going to both walk away from this in a happy way and, um, and negotiate to the best of my ability, you know, showing my vulnerability and making the connection. And and I actually love it now. And now I look at money, like, instead of this like annoying neighbor, it's actually like one of my best friends, Mm. right? Like I'm happy when it's around, I respect it. I try to take care of it, you know, and I hope that our time will last long together. It's interesting. I was talking to another Iranian guest, Farnoosh Hariri. Yes, her name is Farnoosh. And she was saying how in the Iranian culture, at least how she grew up, there's not really any room for vulnerability. So that's interesting how linking vulnerability to a, a negotiation can yield more success. I never really thought of it that way. I'd have, I'll have to look, at, look up her, her book. Yeah, you have to look up her book. It's called Bring Yourself, How to Harness the Power of Vulnerability in Negotiations by Morita Haripur. And she, she's really awesome. You know, like she's the real deal, right? She, it's, it's, it's all about how, yeah, contrary to popular belief that we have to be these hard negotiators and, you know, you like, don't let your guard down. It's actually not about that. It really is more sort of like the Brene Brown Mm -hmm. angle of, no, let's come to this and, and, and show yourself, you know, like, let's talk about it. And like, 
why do we have to be ashamed or sort of like hide, you know, like we're all in this thing trying to figure it out and get up together, you know? So the more we can sort of get on the same page and learn about one another, you know, and build that relationship. In the end, everything's about relationships, your relationship to money, your relationship to the other person, how you're negotiating this thing, right? So um, for me, it's been very effective to utilize her, her methodology towards it. Lastly, so much uncertainty right now. I get a lot of questions from listeners about whether or not it's the quote unquote right time to be doing anything that requires planning and saving because maybe all we should be saving for is like the rainy day and we can put everything else on the back burner. What are your thoughts on that? Are you optimistic about the future? Not your future, but just like in general, this world that we live in and and how are you thinking about your personal goals within that context. Yeah, absolutely. So it's officially raining um, yeah. in terms of that <laughs> rainy day, right? And so it's up to you. If, I mean, I work with preschoolers, right? So it's raining and it's up to you if you're going to look out and see a rainbow out there or just dark clouds, right? For me personally, of course, it's a stressful time, right? You know, 40 million Americans have lost their jobs, mass protests against racial injustice, economy about to collapse in a big way, right? It's, it's, a, it's a very, very stressful time for so many families. I think that I am optimistic about the future. I see things in a way where, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, so I feel like there's always going to be an opportunity, right? Historically, recessions are the best times to start a business, right? Because everything, again, is negotiable. Rents and, you know, everything, right? So I am optimistic that the entrepreneurs will get us out of, of the economic stress because in the end, those are the people who create employment. I am optimistic about there being opportunities for new types of solutions to things. Really, what are problems that are going to require essential businesses, right? Educating your children, right? Healthcare, voting, someone needs to sort out, you know, the voting situation, right? Like there's going to be so many businesses that, that are going to be essential that humans are so resilient. And I feel that if you look at history, we've always found a way to sort of, you know, uprise and, and power through. And I'm really curious to see what types of businesses are going to emerge and what types of creative, creative thinking. That's why I always tell people like, I know it's stressful, but like have a good long cry about it and then have a nature walk, you know, or like do your 15 minute meditation (laughs) because it's only when I've been able to sort of access my personal toolkit of meditation, yoga, therapy, Zumba, nature walks, um, emotional freedom technique, tapping, you know, like just, uh, writing, journaling, listening to podcasts, all that stuff is when I can then sort of recalibrate and be like, okay, like now I can see a little bit clearly and focus and really assess what needs to be done here. Because I do think that people are going to come out on top. It's going to take some time, but um, this, this can be a remarkably transformative transition into something really, really incredible. You know what else works? Taking a shower. Yeah. Put a little perfume on. So it's good to smell good, right? Even if you live alone, you want to smell yourself nice. Light a candle. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Just get your mind off whatever it's on that's not making you happy. Sarah Farzam, thank you so much. It's so nice to reconnect with you, my friend. And I'm so glad I got to share your story with my audience. Thank you for having me. You're the best. I I really am so, so pleased to, to connect with you in this way again. 
Thanks so much to Sarah for joining us. Check out bilingualbirdies.com to book a class for your child or learn about how you can be a teacher, make some money in this economy. Someone just emailed me last Friday about how to you know, get a side hustle on. She's a teacher. And if you speak a foreign language, check out Bilingual Birdies. This might be the right fit for you. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope your day is so money. 